Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1. We'll start there this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. Hallelujah. Uh, 1 Peter, we'll just start right off cold there uh, in, in verse, uh, well, let's start in 6, I guess. 1 Peter 1, 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. 7. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, have have faith in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Now, there, we're going to talk about this a little later, but, I, you know, we, we as Christians, I guess, you know, for me, it's, it, I mentioned one time, there's like a big mirror back there that I'm preaching to because it's really me, and I had a fellow turn around and look for the mirror. It was just kind of kidding, but it, it is, it's for me. This is for me. And so when I say things up here, it's not in a judgmental state. It's, it's for us, and I'm part of the us. And I hope you guys understand that. So for me, there's, there's the scripture and the spirit, and, and the scripture testifies to the spirit, and the spirit testifies to the scripture. It's how we know when you walk into a place and you'll hear something say, somebody say something that they think is godly, and the spirit will say, that's not godly. Because your spirit is not testifying to that. And the word does not line up or testify with that. And it says here, though, it says, though even tested by fire, you may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you're not praising him and giving him glory and giving him honor in your life, that's a sign. That that should be a wake-up sign for you. That should be like a sign that says, bridge out, danger ahead for you. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And it is a wonderful thing here. I love it on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. And to see when, when... when God's body begins to assemble and, and the joy comes into the house of the Lord and the fellowship is there, it's just a, it's something you can't explain. And I've been to worldly outings where they replicate that. 
They do. They're having somewhat of a good time. But when you get when you get kind of to where I am and where many of you are, we can look back on that and see how shallow that is. This is deep. What we have is deep. What we have is deeper than the world. Amen. So some time ago, we read the story of the Shunammite woman. I love the story. I love that story of the Shunammite woman. Uh, the story is about Elisha and that Elisha often passed through the city of Shunem. And in Shunem, there was a woman and she had no children, but she tells her husband this. She says, I perceive that this, meaning Elisha, is a holy man of God passing by us continually. Please let us make a little walled up upper chamber for him and let us set a bed in there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand and it shall be that when he comes to us that he can turn in there, that he can stay over, that he can sleep there. And I love that. There's a, there's a, there's a need in a ministry happening that we would say maybe doesn't look like ministry. This is where God gets to use our gifts because we get to do things for the, for the body and, and for people that, don't, that can't happen here, that can't happen in this place. She didn't say, let's get him a better pulpit. She said, let's get him a room. Are you hearing what I'm saying? She, she had the provision, she had the ability to have the provision to do that at her place, and she did that at her place. Are you hearing me? In return, he asked his servants, his servant's name was Gehazi, to find out what the Shunammite woman would want. And, and Gehazi tells Elisha, she don't have a son. She's old in age and don't have a son. And so Elijah blesses her, and a year later, she has a son. Turn to 2 Kings, 2 Kings. Now, we've been here before many months ago. And, and, and can I, I probably talk too much. I'll just shush. Okay. Second Kings four. Look at second Kings four. And let's read 18 through 37. When the child, now she has a year later, she has a son. Everybody with me? And then, so some time has passed now. Okay. When the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. So what we're surmising here is that he either got hit in the head or he, he fell uh, maybe to an injury. Or maybe he just had a, 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 an aneurysm or, or a tumor or something go on. We don't really know. It's just he's saying, my head is hurt. And we know that this isn't like a Tylenol headache. This is serious, okay? And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and return. And he said, why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, she said, well. And, and, and what she means is it will be well. And, and knowing how most real relationships are, she probably said, shut up, man. I, it's all good and I'm going to go do something. Okay, right? 
the, the husband, he, he's clueless. I mean, it happens. I'm not picking on us. We have great traits that you women will never have. But, but sometimes we're the last person to know anything in the family. No amens? Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slow down the pace for me unless I tell you. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, there is a Shunammite. There is the Shunammite. Please run now to meet her and say to her, it is well, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered what? It is well. She didn't say, no, I'm in trouble. My son's laying in your bed dead right now. She said, it's well. Because she has taken a step of faith. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught hold of his feet. And Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is troubled within her. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask for a son from my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up your loins and take my staff in your hand and go in your way and does all that things. And, and, and the mother, in 30, the mother of the lad said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And he arose and followed her. Then Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff on the lad's face, but there was no sound or response. So he returned to meet him and told him the lad has not awakened. 32, when Elisha came into the house, behold, the lad was dead and laid on his bed. So he entered and shut the door behind them both and prayed to the Lord. Now, I'm just going to interject something right there. And I hadn't planned to, but I want to tell you this. It's just like Cheryl shared this morning. It's like we shared. There's stuff in this family, stays in this family. It's just the way it is. But I know that Jesus himself said, Okay, Peter and John, you come with me. You other boys, you ain't coming. They get themselves in a situation where someone don't have the faith. I'm not picking on them. Maybe they're not ready yet. Doesn't matter. But when the business gets serious in your life, you need to make sure that you've surrounded yourself with someone who has faith. And he shuts the door behind him. In other words, he says, he says I'm shutting out the world because we're going to deal with this issue. And he went up and he lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself on him and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he returned and walked in the house once back and forth and went up and stretched himself on him. And the lad sneezed seven times and the lad opened his eyes. And he called to Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. So he called her. When she came to him, he said, take up your son. She went and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and she took up her son. And she went out. Now, as cool as this story is, there's, and as much as there is to look at, I want to draw your attention to two unique things that happens with the Shunammite woman. First, she puts feet to her faith. She basically says, hey. She puts him on the bed. She closes the door. She comes downstairs. Get the donkey. Get my saddle. We're going to go get the man of God. She puts feet to her faith. She doesn't wring her hands and sit in there and, and go nuts. And all those things that we would typically do in those situations, and we've all done it. And we've all done it. She puts feet to her faith. She goes to the man of God. Faith has feet. Second, she proclaims with her mouth what she knows in her heart. Look at verse 23, like we talked about. 
she says. He says, why will you go to him today? It's neither new moon or Sabbath. And she said, it is well. It will be well. My faith tells me it will be well and it will be well. Now, I'm not a name it and claim it guy. And I'm not saying we proclaim things and they are because we're simply not God. But I will tell you what, there's power and strength in our words. And if our words are coming from our heart, there's more power. And if our heart is aligned with the spirit of God, there's all power. Are you listening to me? And she knows in her heart that it will be well. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we give you all the glory in this house this morning, Lord. Lord, we ask that you speak to our hearts and minds this morning, that we'd be encouraged, Lord, to walk this walk of faith, this life that you've set before us, Lord God, that we not stumble and fumble along, that we not just go through motions, Lord, but that you have so much for us, so much more than we are actually realizing in our own lives, Lord God. So we call on you this morning, Lord, to forever be changed in our lives, that you would speak to us and we would listen and we would be obedient to your call and we ask these things in Jesus name last week we spent some time talking about faith we talked about how fear and faith cannot cannot uh, occupy the same space we were encouraged by the spirit of God last week to live a life of faith if you were here last week there was an encouragement in the house and God was moving and he was at work in our hearts and and he encouraged us to, to walk this life of faith. To not be afraid. To not have a fear. Listen, it doesn't mean you don't get afraid. It means you don't stay afraid. Amen. You follow what I'm saying? Look, when COVID came, I was afraid for my family and my children. And I was worried. But we can't stay in fear. We have to bring that thought captive and align it with the word of God and what he has told us and we have to live that out in our lives. That's the Christian walk. If you don't want that walk, you're in the wrong building this morning. That's our walk. We have a walk of faith. Today I want to press a little deeper into why and how we can live a life of faith. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, please. Hebrews 10. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Share that uh, every Sunday morning I get a text from Pastor Chuck Reynolds down at Gumboro, the Joshua House. And every Sunday morning I respond to him. And they were in Florida, very near where this hurricane came into land. And the place they had was shaken. But they were fine. And then he needed to get home for church this morning. And yesterday they hit the road. And they, there was places you couldn't get gas down there. But God showed them favor and they got fuel and they got home. And he's a blessing. I just wanted to share that this morning. Let's break it down this morning. Let's, lead, uh, let's read Hebrews 10, 35 through 11, 3. Hebrews 10, 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. In fact, this scripture coming up is the one that Cheryl stole from me a couple weeks ago when we were talking about what the message was. We ended with this about three or four weeks ago, so we're going to start with it today. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. 
And he, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Verse, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old and, and the women of old, because in his next hall of fame of, uh, of faith, uh, he has men and women both listed there. For by it the men and women of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the words, I'm sorry, that the worlds, that's plural, were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that which are visible. Look at verse 35. Confidence. Therefore do not throw away your confidence. I want to help you this morning, church. You have a confidence. What, what, what is this confidence that we have? What does it look like? Where does it come from? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look back at verse 19, Hebrews 10, verse 19. It says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, by a new covenant. Remember, we are people of the covenant, not of this culture. That is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. So we have a confidence. We have a confidence in our salvation. We have a, a confidence in, in our redemption, in our reconciliation with God. This isn't, this isn't something that's just made up as, as a religion. We have a confidence because we know what Christ did for us when he went to the cross and he died and he rose again. We have a confidence in our covenant with Christ. And our confidence says, it says our confidence will have a great reward. 36 says we have need of endurance. How many of you could use some endurance in your life at this time? For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. What is it? What, what, what's the promise? The promise is the crown of glory that will never fade away. We have the confidence in the salvation that we have. We have a confidence in the one who gives us that salvation. Look at verses 37 and 38. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. 37 and 38, my righteous one shall live by faith. This comes, this quote is from Habakkuk 2.4 that says this, behold, listen, there's proud and there's humble and we're of the humble. And I'm talking about when you're proud, when your son throws a, a, a no hitter in a ball game, that proud's good. We're talking about a haughty proud of thinking we're better than we ought, of, of thinking that somehow, and we see this in some churches, folks. There's some church folk who think that because they got cleaned up that they're better than, than others. 
That's the wrong proud. The Pharisees were proud. And they were, and they were wrong. It says, behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. In other words, the, the righteous man will live in, in what he will, uh, in, in the fact that he will not face God's judgment, but rather in return for his life of living faith, he has been given eternal life. The righteous have been given eternal life. Romans 16 and 17 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For in it, that means the gospel of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. And then he quotes Habakkuk 2.4 there as well, Paul does, and says, But the righteous man shall live by faith. Now, I don't fully understand what I'm about to say to you or how it works. And you say, well, why are you saying it? I don't know. I feel compelled to. I don't know. Um, I, not the Lord. The righteous will live by faith. It says, if you are righteous, you will live by faith. And if you live by faith, you are righteous. They, 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 I tried to look it up to see what their word was for this type of sentence. But they need each other, and they can't exist without each other. You can't live by faith if you're not righteous. You can't be righteous even if you're not living by faith. They go together. They're just together. I don't know how they're linked, but they're linked. And it isn't that, it isn't that you're righteous we know of our own doing. It's the righteousness of Christ that we have that makes us righteous. And then, then, and then that's the key or the doorway that allows us to live by faith. And we can't, you can't live a life of faith without righteousness in God. I, I don't know what to say to folks. It just can't happen. It, it's part and parcel of the same thing. And, and you can't walk by faith unless you're made righteous. They need each other. In fact, they not only need each other, I think they are each other. Faith and righteousness are each other. Now remember what we said earlier about the Shunammite woman. She put feet to her faith. Faith has an action. It's not a feeling. It's not emotion. It's an action. Faith is something that you do. Remember we talked last week that sometimes it even has this little bit of danger to it of stepping out of the boat or, or I'm going to go slay a giant or whatever the case might be. It's, it, it, and sometimes it's just... It don't make no sense to the natural man. There's something about faith when you put the feet to it. When she says, I'm going to go get that man of God, her husband thinks she's lost her mind. He really does. What, what are you doing? Our son's dead. But she puts feet to her faith. Faith has an action. We live by faith. And, and we this word live, the dictionary.com defines live this way, to practice or represent or to exhibit in one's life faith. So, so when, when you say you have faith, when we say we have faith, and then we don't live like we have faith, guess what we don't have? Faith. You don't have it. 
because it has an action to it. It has a response to it. It, it is a practice that you do. It is something, it's who you are. The righteous, you're righteous, you're made righteous. Well, guess what? You live by faith. And you need to get better at it, but that's who you are. That's who we are. It's, 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 it's not only say our heritage, but it's, but it's part of our DNA as Christians. We have Christ in us. We have faith. And we live by faith. And to live means something other than just talk. It says we walk by faith, not talk by faith. Practice, represent, or exhibit in our life. Faith. James says faith without works is dead. And that was always an argumentative statement in the church that, you know, somehow they were trying to say that James said, you know, basically it's a works gospel. And if you don't, no, it's not true. Listen, works, works is a fruit of the faith. It's just going to happen. To say that you love your neighbor and do nothing when they're in trouble is not love. It's, it's not. It's just words. It's just talk. To, to, to say you're going to have faith when you're walking through something that's tough, it, it's just talk unless you're going to walk through it with God. Are you listening? We have to practice it. Faith without works is dead. He's not saying that you've got to work yourself to death to be in a church. That, that's not what he's saying at all. And, and he's not saying, listen, th there's other people that I see that will work themselves to death in church and believe that they have faith, and they do not. Their motives are a whole lot different than faith. We do it for pride. We do it because we want people to see us or to appreciate us or, or, to, or to thank us or to be recognized. There's just a ton of reasons in our flesh that we don't think well. Have I got the right crowd? Okay. But faith, faith says we will live that life. All right, let's move on. Um, so uh, maybe before this next one, I want to share a little, a little bit so that there's a little bit of a background to it. Um, so this morning, um, my grandchildren all came in and not one of them, not one of them. So before I read this story, I want to be honest with you. Not one of them came and ran and hugged me today. Now, I know that because I'm pop-up, and I know when they don't do that, okay? But most of the time, they do. And so as I'm writing this and preparing this, and I'm thinking about my grandchildren, and in this morning, they come in, and, and like Glenn and I were talking, your kids will make a liar out of you. You'll tell them, hey, my, 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 my kid can really, he can spell every word in the alphabet, and somebody says, can you spell apple? And and they spell pear. I don't know. It just happens, whatever. But I'm not sure why I ever started this. But with every one of my grandchildren, and my, my daughter's here, she'll testify, that, that uh, when I would pick them up or hold them, even when they were baby babies, I would pick them up and I would hold them and I would somewhat invert them so their feet's at an angle and I would kiss them on their forehead. And I don't know where that came from. It's just something I started doing when they were little. I seen Poppy got a hug from my oldest grandson this morning when, uh, when he came in, but I didn't get a hug this morning. But I would pick them up and I would hold them above my head and I would invert them and I would and still do with Lainey, the little ones, and I would kiss them on their forehead. Now, when they got old enough to walk or run, they would run to me and then they would jump in my arms and I would still lift them up over my head and I would kiss their forehead and I don't know why, but I love it. 
Now, uh, how many of you know you can't do that with a seven-year-old? And you can't do that with a seven-year-old who's in the 120th percentile in height uh, of his, uh, of his uh, age group. And so my son Ezekiel is seven, and I can't pick him up over my head anymore. But, but let me tell you what he will do. Uh, and I will call on Alyssa a bit, but knowing me and my luck on this sermon, she'll say something different, so I won't do that. But he'll come running to me at 10 or 15 feet as hard as he can. And he'll jump up at my, in my arms. And Alyssa's got, no, Zeke, you know, because she's afraid he's going to plow me over. Well, I'll be honest with you. I've just learned a technique ago in one of my previous careers on how to deal with that kind of stuff. And so when he comes, I just receive him, but I get him around like this. And it takes all that inertia out by the time I get him around. And, of course, he loves that spinning around part, you know. But he still jumps in my arms. Since I've never dropped any of them yet, they, they have exhibited a faith in my ability to catch them. They, they practice a faith that they have that pup-up's going to catch them. And, and, and that's with all of us, parents and grandparents, okay? I'm not, I'm not excluded anyone from that. But they know that I'm going to catch them. And I will tell you, uh, I will do everything I can to catch them. And I'm an earthly father. They have faith from their experience. They have faith from what they know. They have faith from what they sense. Turn now to Hebrews 11. It should be right there. Verses 1 through 3. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Faith must have a substance. It must have something that it can rely on. Yes, it's faith, but it's, we don't have a blind faith. Okay, you need to hear me when I say this because I'll hear Christians say this. No, we don't have a blind faith. We have a faith in something. Faith is only as strong or meaningful to the substance to which it is attached. So if your faith is attached to something of no substance, then your faith won't amount to much. Now, let me explain. Some people have faith, and, and I'll tell a little story here. Some of you folks maybe even worked at DuPont and Seaford back in the day. But back in the day in Sussex County, Seaford was the place to be. DuPont was over there, and it was thriving, and there were good jobs and good families. And I remember when I was in high school, the best football team around was Seaford. It's just the way it was. And I see some heads nodding. It's true. But a lot of people had faith in that DuPont. They had a lot of faith in that job. They put their faith and trust in those things. And there came a day when DuPont made a decision, and I know this because I was fairly knowledgeable of some of the folks that were literally the, the, the world, the world. Got to sit at a table one time with the, with the world director of DuPont. And you could hear the conversations. And I was Christian then, and I could see it then, and I could hear it. And then I watched it happen over at Seaford. And they made a decision that they're not really going to make products anymore. 
like nylon like they did. They were going to really worry about the stock market and how they could make money there. And when they began to do that, plants began to shut down. And Seaford was one of them. People, and uh, still not shut down, but DuPont left it, and it's never been the same. And they put their faith in those things. That, that's not much substance. You put your faith in the fact that you have a savings account, and that's cool. That's not much substance. You put your faith in the fact that you might have a great spouse, but even that, that's not the substance of God. You put your faith in things. You put your faith in the fact that you have a nice car or a nice home and you begin to think on those things. But that's not much substance. Everything about faith is dependent on what you have faith in. If you have little faith in something of great substance, okay, listen to me. If you have little faith in, in, in something of great substance, then your faith will be rewarded greatly. Because our faith isn't depending on what we have faith in, on our faith. It's what we have our faith in. It's who we have our faith in. And if you have great faith in something of little substance or surety, then the result of your great faith will actually be little or perhaps nothing at all. But if you have a little faith in something great, that goes a long way. For the Christian, God is the substance of our faith. You say, well, we know that. We're saved. We've, we've been in the church for a long time. Are you living like it? Do you live like God is the substance of your faith? First and foremost, our, our faith, I'm speaking to those who have said yes to the Lord, our faith is a spiritual matter. It's a spiritual thing. There's something that happens at our conversion that when we say yes to God, it activates the Holy Spirit in us and it gives us the ability to have assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. It just happens. I don't know how it happens. The world doesn't have it. Listen, when you, when you have your faith and the world and you know someone out there and something goes wrong like a 9-11 or whatever, they're, they're twisted. Oh, don't get me wrong, we're rattled, but we ain't twisted because there's something spiritual inside of us. There's, a, there's the spirit, the, the world or the carnal man, as the Bible calls it, he can't experience the same faith in God that the Christian can because they don't have the Holy Spirit of God living in them, but you do. The Bible teaches the spirit himself, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit. It's a spiritual matter. Your faith is a spiritual matter. You can talk yourself up all you want to. You can go to many uh, of these classes that are designed to, to build you up and let you have confidence. You can do that all you want to. It will mean nothing when the real deal hits. But because you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, when the real deal hits, you'll have a faith that they'll never have. Our faith works from the inside out. It's not of the senses, not something that comes from taste, hearing, or seeing, or smelling, or even touching. What's it say? It says, the conviction of things not seen. Look at verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds, listen, not just the world, but the whole universe, the many universes, everything, the worlds were prepared by what? 
the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. He takes us very, right back to the very beginning. He takes us right back to, to Hebrews. Now, we don't know for sure if Paul wrote Hebrews or Apollos. They're pretty sure that maybe Apollos did, but it doesn't matter. Whoever wrote this was filled with the Holy Spirit, and this is what they're teaching us. And they're teaching us this today. The Bible says there was nothing, and God spoke and said, let there be and there was. If you don't believe it, you're in the wrong building this morning. But if you believe it, you've come to the right place. Because this is what we know and this is what we teach. God said, let there be and there was. By his word, he spoke. And now what we see and we know was made out of the things that were not visible. There was nothing visible. I thought about this as I was reading this. There's no man. There's no us. I don't know how he does it. I love Pastor Bill's teaching because it, it helped my mind understand because, you know, it says he took the dust of the earth. Well, that's how they understood that and knew that. But that's not really what he's saying. He said, the minute particles. The minute particles. He, he takes up those minute particles and he makes us. And then he says... Man, I'd like to have a wife. And then God does that. He takes something out of Adam and makes that. But he spoke it. And there it was. By his word, something was made from nothing. This is who the Christian understands is the substance of our faith. Your father is the God most high, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Look what it says. The worlds were prepared by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the... Come on, guys. Are you sleeping on me? Thank you. By the word. God's word. This is why the centurion said, we read this last week in Matthew 8. He said, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. That's what the Lord wants. He, he wants that kind of faith out of us. We talked about it earlier, you know. I'm, I'm going to tell you. 23 days, days and nights, I spent in the hospital with my father. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And he passed. That's hard. It's hard. I don't understand it. My faith did not get rattled. I will tell you, I, don't, I didn't slow up. We lost a baby in our family many years ago. My brother's grandchild. Pastor Bill said, Tim, don't you worry. God's arm's not too short. He'll, he'll cover. He'll cover it. I'll never forget it. And when I was able to speak to them, I repeated those very words to them, and I think it helped them understand his arm's not too short his ways aren't our ways we don't understand all of this but don't matter we're still going to have faith and we're still going to pray for healing for every single person that we know that needs it that's why the centurion said say the word lord my servant to be healed and jesus is so so pleased are you doing that lord say the word and and this mountain will be moved. I'm not worried. Lord, say the word. 
And, and Lord, even if you slay me, I will praise you. That's what Job says. That's why in John 4, we read last week that the story of the royal official says, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he started off, started off, started off where? We talked about it, 25 miles. He, he walked 25 miles to see Christ. From here to Laurel, he walked to see Christ and say, I need a healing in my family. And then when Jesus says it, it says, at his word, he began walking back 25 miles to his son because guess what? His faith had. His faith had feet. Does your faith have feet? Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the, word, that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. Your father created the heavens and the earth. What's your problem this morning? Can he handle it? Do you think he's capable? Have you made up your mind that God is able? How about your calling? Do you think that God doesn't have the resources for your calling in your life? Come on, step out. It's time that the body stepped up and stepped out. He has the resources for, for you. Leonard Ravenhill says, we'll not be in heaven five seconds when we realize that all the resources of the entire universe were available to us to accomplish the mission that God had called us to do. And it'll break our hearts because we didn't use them. God has resources for you. Last week I was struggling, about a week and a half ago, I was struggling with a financial concern relating to integrity. Uh, long story short, I purchased a truck that was sold to me and the previous owner believed that the motor was no good and that needed to be replaced. And so obviously I purchased it very cheap because I had intended to put a motor in it. I took it to the shop and and they found out, now this story is not about me. I want you to hear what God's going to tell me. That's what I want you to hear out of this story. I'm not building myself up this morning because I shouldn't have had a struggle with it to begin with, but I was struggling. And the previous owner uh, does work for me and I would consider him a friend. And, and, and we took it, I had it towed over to our shop and, and my guy began to look at it and he looked at it and he realized that, hey, you don't need a motor. Man, I was happy. You don't need a motor, Tim. It's a $10.36 valve spring that's broke in it. Of course, the labor was a lot of money. But now I was in a dilemma. I had this truck that I knew that this fellow sold me on the pretense that it was broken and it wasn't really broken. And I had basically given him next to nothing for it. And my soul was not well with it. And I was literally riding down the road and I was asking God, God, I, I need to hear from you on what to do because my flesh wanted to just take my deal and be thankful. But I knew it wasn't the right thing. And I said, God, you need to speak to me now because I need to know what to do about this. And then I feel like this and I'm pretty sure I heard God said, Tim, that's what he calls me. Some of you got it. Tim, you act like I can't bless you. That was settled. 
I knew what I was going to do. God's going to bless me. I don't need a deal on a truck to bless me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you, are you listening? For me, it's all, all I needed to hear. I called the guy up. We made a, a new agreement on the truck. And I have peace. And he's tickled to death because he got more money. All right, let's wrap things up. Jump down to verse 6 in Hebrews 11. And let's, let's read verse 6. It is impossible to please God without faith. Well, let's read the whole thing. Hang on. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. So the first thing you've got to believe is that he is. That means he exists. He is God. He's your God. And then that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is not an option for the believer. It's not a suggestion. It's not even just a good idea or a good thing to have. For the Christian, it is a non-negotiable. It is a must-have. You must walk the walk of faith if you're a believer. Why? Because the righteous live by faith. And those who have faith are righteous. It just comes with the territory. Some of you act like God can't bless you. The very words that God told me. He's, Tim, you act like I can't bless you. Some of you don't take God at his word. Can I share with you what you're doing? What we're doing? I'm calling him a liar. Well, God, I know that your word says this, but, but for me, I just can't beat this loneliness. I know, I know your word says that you're my husband, but I, I'm struggling, God. It's okay to struggle. But in the end, our faith must see us through. God, I know that you said that I should accept this new job, but, but I'm scared. And, and I, don't, I don't think I should make the application because I know you're calling me to do it, Lord, but I really don't believe you. You're calling God a liar? That's a strong word this morning, but it's one you need to clearly understand. If you're going to believe in a God who created the universe, to think that he can't provide for you is foolishness. Some of you act like God can't take care of you. And then you let the enemy lie to you about it. And you believe that more than you believe God. I do it. We have to bring those thoughts captive. What is the substance of your faith this morning? It says that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Our life is a walk of faith. I'm not sure I fully understand how to accomplish it. I am learning. But I know this. When I read this word, things happen in my life. When I pray to him, things happen in my life. When I trust in him, things happen in my life. And when I count on myself to do it, 
I usually end up somewhere in trouble. We have a walk of faith. Enjoy your walk of faith. God has given it to you. It's a gift. The world does not know this walk, but we do. And we have a salvation like no other. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, help us to walk on your word. Like, like Peter uh, didn't walk on the water, he walked on your word, Lord God. That, that David walked on your word when he slayed the giant because he knew who you were and he knew your will and he knew his calling. Father, I pray that you anoint every person within the sound of my voice that they will walk in their calling. That this world would be changed if every Christian walked in their calling with a faith to trust you. Lord, we can move forward because of our faith. We can move forward because of our righteousness in you. Lord, we are not like those who shrink back. But we say, bless God. And we receive your favor. And we receive your grace. And we receive your mercy. And Lord, we even receive the mind of Christ that will enable us to walk this walk of faith. Speak to our hearts this morning. Let us leave encouraged, Lord God, that we are a people of faith. And the substance of our faith is you, the creator of all things. We bless you this morning and give you all glory. And all God's people who are in agreement with that prayer says, amen, amen and amen. We'll bless you. Have a great week as we walk this walk of faith. Amen. amen. Hope you're encouraged this morning. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware, where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.